Well, as I mentioned, um, it is, uh, I think, quite fitting that we're looking at prayer today. Uh, every year, as I mentioned last week, we kick off our year looking at uh, either our vision uh, as a church, our mission, our strategy, or maybe some details of it. This year, we're looking uh, specifically at our strategy, uh, how God equips us to be on this mission that He's called us to. And, and I'd mentioned last week that our strategy, Pastor Casey already mentioned this morning, we mention it usually every single week. The strategy we believe that God has given His church, given us His church, um, the strategy He's given us to actually carry out the mission that He's called us to, and to fulfill the vision that He has for us, is He has given us three primary tools, three primary weapons of, of the warfare, the kind of warfare we're supposed to be engaged in. And those three primary weapons, or we call them roots uh, pretty frequently, maybe conduits, is God's Word, it's prayer, and it's gospel community, it's His people. Those are the three primary ways you see in God's Word that He gives His people to be about and actually accomplish the mission that He's called us to. And uh, we see this kind of trifecta, so to speak, God's Word, prayer, and community all throughout the Bible. And so for us, we set out eight years ago uh, when we uh, actually just had our eight-year anniversary just, uh, what, two, three days ago, January 6th. Um, for our, uh, when we first began the church eight years ago, we set out to say that the strategy of this church is going to be to help our people be equipped to be able to use God's Word, prayer, and gospel community to lean on those things, to be conduits or roots that tap into the power of the gospel. Uh, we don't have these kind of you know, self-help tricks and church growth kind of you know, metrics, all these kinds of things. We, just, we believe that God's Word has shown us everything we need to live out the life that He's called us to. And we believe that God's Word shows us that He has given us specifically His Word, prayer, and gospel community, those three primary things. The three primary things that we are to be equipped with and in and to utilize as we go out into the world that we live in, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our schools, our workplaces, in our conversations. And so today, last week, we looked at God's Word. Today, we're going to be looking at prayer. Uh, I've got this really fascinating stat for you guys. Did you know that 30% of atheists say they occasionally pray? Right? That's... And 17% say they regularly pray, right? So these are, those are atheists, right? They don't believe in God, a higher power. For most people, I think both Christian and non-Christian, prayer in, in general is in kind of the same category as maybe wishful thinking, uh, maybe uh, kind of letting someone know, some higher power know your hopes, or maybe your sorrows, your laments, I think that's the general category we tend to put prayer in. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you kind of have prayer in this category of wishful thinking. But prayer is not simply just pouring out your heart. And that's what we usually see it as. Prayer is kind of this way that we pour out our heart to God or a higher power. But prayer is not simply pouring out one's heart. Anyone can do that. Anyone can just pour out their heart. Now, prayer might have those elements, but, but prayer is more than that. It's more than just pouring out your heart. It's kind of like saying the Bible is just a book. The Bible is a book, but the Bible is more than just a book. Prayer might have some hopes and dreams and wishes and desires in it, but it's more than that. At least it should be more than that. But oftentimes, I think that is about the limit of what prayer ends up being for many of us, at least in many instances of our life. And Though most humans, as part of our 
maybe general nature, you might be given to prayer, no matter how religious you are. Even 30% of atheists pray. So kind of in general, we're sort of given to this concept of prayer. It's tempting then for us to say that prayer is a default sort of uh, intuition that all humans have. And as Christians, we might say, see, see, prayer is natural. See, we, we're wired to pray. But when we talk about dreams and wishes and there's 30% of people who pray, that's, that's really not actually prayer. It's not natural for us to really pray. Pouring your heart out, that's natural for us to do as humans. It might be natural for us to try to reach out to some deity in the sky. That might be natural, but that's, that's not prayer. At least not biblical prayer. Do you ever wonder why the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray? Don't you think they would know how to just reach out to God in the sky and ask him for stuff? That seems pretty natural to me. But they knew that real prayer is different than just letting God know your wish list. This is why they said, teach us to pray. You would think that these grown men, Jewish grown men, would know how to pray. But as they're around Jesus, they're realizing, we're not doing prayer right. I've been doing prayer, sir, but I've been just letting God know what I want Give me my wish list, but clearly that's not prayer. And so these disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. They realize what we're doing as prayer is not actually prayer. Consider this, church, that it is dangerous for us as Christians to think that we don't need to learn how to pray. That's a dangerous thought. For you to assume that you don't need to learn how to pray, it's just it's natural for us. I know how to pray. Everyone knows how to pray. You just talk to God. How many times have we heard that? Now, I'm not saying that elements of your prayer or beginning to learn how to pray isn't talking to God. We're going to get into that. But it's not just simply that. That's not all it is. We need to learn how to pray. Because my guess is that many Christians' prayers probably sound nearly identical to non-Christians' prayers. That'd be my guess. Not all. Not all the time. I think that many Christians' prayers sound a lot like non-Christians' prayers. Maybe you just have a different first name, Jesus, rather than, you know, God or higher power or universe or whatever. That might be some of the only things that change. What is to be different about our prayer? At least, what should be different about our prayer? Today, we're going to be looking at some insight on what effective and real prayer looks like. So, I'd like to pray now for our time, looking at God's Word. We hear God's word, we read God's word, and we're reminded and taught by God's word on what prayer is. Father, we do come before you, and we do ask that you would, by your spirit, through your word, by the example, the teaching of Jesus, that you would teach us to pray. We want to learn. We want to get better at this great gift called prayer. We want to know what it is, what it's for, why it was given to us. And then we want to know how to actually do it. And we want to grow in this. We want to get better at this. Especially as we learn what the purpose of it is. We, we're going to want to know how to do this better. So help us, O oh Lord, as your people, as your sons, your daughters, teach us to pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to Lead us into this truth today. 
the words of Jesus as he teaches us to pray, Matthew 6, those words would find a home in our hearts, that it would become part of our language as people who pray. It would become part of our vocabulary. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. This is a, one of the more famous parts of the New Testament, Jesus being asked to teach his disciples how to pray, and he says this in Matthew 6, verse 7, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, non-believers, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Many of you learned that growing up, memorized it, might have a couple words here and there that are different. This text gives us the most clear and the best example of the, the content that should be a part of true and effective prayer. Not verbatim necessarily, but the content, the elements. Now you might have picked up on the fact that in this little text here, Jesus tells us that there is actually wrong ways to pray, which already kind of proves some of that opening point that I was saying. There, there's not just, you know, this kind of uh, uh, do whatever you want in prayer. There's, there's actually wrong ways to pray. He says, don't pray like this. Don't pray like those folks. And even as I open up, I'm saying we should not just pray like 30% of atheists. We should pray differently than them. So Jesus is saying, don't pray. There's certain ways you don't want to pray. Don't pray like this. Don't pray just heaping up empty words into the air. In the book of James, James also tells us that we can pray wrongly. We can ask for the wrong things. We can use prayer for our own desires. And he says, that's wrong. You don't use prayer just for your own desires. He says, you don't have because you don't ask. And then when you do ask, you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So James even tells us there's a wrong way to pray. And we only just pray for what we want. So again, we need to learn how to pray. What the world calls prayer might be natural, but true prayer is not natural to us. Anyone can call out. Anyone can send words in the air. Gentiles can do that. But prayer is more than that. It might include those elements, expressing grief, expressing needs. Those things surely can and should make it into our prayers. We need to be honest with the Lord in our prayers but that's not all that our prayers are. Kyle Strobel, in your notes here, he says, prayer is about seeking God himself. He is the good we seek, not his answer. We go to prayer not to get answers from God, but to get God. That's what we go to prayer for. Prayer is the way that God has given us to bring us to him not just his gifts, not just his answers. And he'll give us gifts and answers, but it's the way that God has given us to go to him, to find him. 
Remember a few weeks ago when we were in Philippians chapter 4 that meditating on praiseworthy things of God firstly brings us the peace of God, right? That's a gift of God. Meditating on the things of God brings us the peace of God. But ultimately, Paul says in Philippians that it brings us the God of peace. That's the ultimate. We don't just want the peace of God through our prayers. We want the God of peace. We want God. That's why we go to prayer, not just to get peace, but to get God. That's the ultimate right there. So prayer is a gift that is not natural for us. It's not just words being spoken into the sky, but it's, it's a conduit, a way of connection, a way of communion, a root that is given to us to connect us to the living streams of water. That's what prayer is given to us for. And we can't just do that. I'm just going to connect to the living streams of water. I'm just going to do that. We can't just do that. That's a gift given and something that we have to learn to do. And I want to remind us all, too, that as we learn these, these hows, we learned last week and this week, we'll learn next week. Remember, we, we relate this a lot to a tree, right? Roots, and the tree is kind of the picture of our vision, mission, and strategy. If you've seen that, maybe on our website or... Trees don't grow overnight, okay? So don't think that you got to, you know, hear the sermon, then all of a sudden, just magically, your prayer life changes. It's awesome. Trees take time to grow, right? You dip that root into that water, and it starts drinking from that water. You're learning how to dip that root of prayer into the living water, and you're going, how come I'm not growing and changing all of a sudden? It's, it's going to probably take time. Sometimes God does these miraculous things where just instantly something some sin falls off of you, whatever that can happen. But usually growth and sanctification and change, usually it takes time. So don't get frustrated with yourself or the Lord as you're trying to learn how to dip these roots into the living water, but be patient and endure faithfully in it. Prayer is what enables us to have real relationship and intimacy with God. The word of God that we saw last week, that's him talking to us and prayer is us talking him. This is why Jesus told us to pray, because prayer is our lifeblood. We realize that we're nothing without him, and prayer is treating God as if he's really actually God. We're going to him to find him and be dependent on him. So looking back at Matthew 6, Jesus again says, so pray like this. Here's how we pray. Here's how we take this root of prayer and dip it into the streams of living water. We have these elements in our prayer. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Prayer is meant to have our will conform to his. All right, look what he says here. Your will be done. Prayer isn't, this is why we usually use prayer. Usually we use prayer to get our will done. God, would you change this for me? Would you do this for me? Would you give it? I'm not saying don't ask him for things, but be aware if your prayers are mostly asking for your will to be done, then some adjustments need to be made. We need to learn. We need to learn. And, and this model of prayer will teach you how to do that. And that's what we're hopefully going to see a bit today. But if your prayer is mostly about your will being done, that's the bulk of it. Something needs to change. You need to learn how to pray differently or better. Again, doesn't mean you don't ask for things. Look, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us forgiveness. So we ask God for things. I'm not saying don't ask. But like James says, we don't want to ask wrongly. 
We want to ask the right things in the right way, and we're going to learn how to do this. So prayer is meant to have our will conform to his will, to be a conduit for us to receive our daily bread, which is God's word, to give us even the ability to forgive others, and to keep us strong against temptations. This is why the theologian John Owen said, if we don't abide in prayer, we will abide in temptation. If you're not abiding in prayer with your, your root in the stream of living water, you'll be abiding in temptation, discouragement, frustration, impatience, all these different things. This is why we started the series in the Word of God, because it's the Word of God that informs our prayers. The Word of God gives us our vocabulary for prayer. When you know the mind of God, the mind of God is revealed in this book. And so when you know the mind of God, when you know his word, his plan, his desires, his character, you know his plan, then you'll pray the mind of God. If you know who God is, what he's like, what he loves, then you're going to pray according to this. You'll pray the very mind of God. See, prayer isn't like those who, who meditate in Eastern religions where you, you empty yourself. Prayer is about filling yourself with the truth of God. We don't empty our minds and hearts. We fill our minds and hearts. That's what prayer does. We fill our minds and hearts with God's word and his promises. That informs and gives us our vocabulary for prayer. So to pray in a way that's effective, we have to be abiding in the bread of life, in the word of God, in the living water. You know, to learn anything in this life, we, we have to go to those who, who know something about that thing. You got to go to a mechanic or doctor, an IT guy. You learn stuff. You got to go to someone who knows something. And so to learn to pray, we, we can go to our mentors, we can go to our pastors, but even they fall short. But we have one person, one human who has mastered prayer. Mastered it. Has always has perfect communion with God the Father. Mastered the ability to pray directly and totally commune with the Father at all times. Only Jesus Christ is the one who truly knows how to pray effortlessly and even can pray effortlessly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that prayer is finding the way to God and speaking with him. Whether your heart is empty or full, no one can do that by himself. We need Jesus Christ to do that. We need Jesus in order to pray correctly. You don't need Jesus to have hopes or dreams or wishes. You don't need him for that. You can do that on your own. You don't need Jesus just to pour your hearts out up to the heavens. You don't need Jesus for that. You can do that on your own. But you do need him. And you need to be abiding in him if you want to really actually pray. You don't go to him, but you actually go through him. This is what it means to pray in Jesus' name. We don't go to Jesus in prayer, we go through him. Jeremiah 17, verse 7, gives us a great picture of, of a tree. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and doesn't fear when heat comes because its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's the kind of person we want to be, a tree that's planted by water with roots going into the stream 
A person who trusts in God is the one whose roots are planted by water. A person whose root of prayer is actually connected to the streams of living water, abiding in the vine. We want to have our prayers abiding in the vine. That person, that tree has roots, has real prayer that brings them life, brings them the bread of life. And without Jesus, having your prayers immersed in Christ himself, your prayers will just be words in the air, just dreams and wishes floating to the sky, like the hypocrites who pray their empty prayers. Imagine, um, imagine a, a village, a third world country, starving, no food, famine, drought, like we just saw in Jeremiah 17. And then the UN comes in with a food truck, just, you know, this massive truck. The village is excited. They're gathering around. They're ready to gather up bread. They open up the food truck. It's empty. The disappointment, the pointlessness. And if the people start complaining, but then the, the UN workers say, well, what? It's, it's a food truck. What are you complaining about? There's no food in it. Well, yeah, but it's a food truck. There's no food in it. That is often how our prayers are. Our prayers are, are just, they're, they're empty. And we say, but, but Lord, I prayed. Lord, I, yeah, but it was an empty prayer. You use your prayer just to spend on yourself. It's empty. There's, there's, there's no point to it. Your, your prayer is supposed to deliver the bread of life to you. Your prayer is supposed to help you dip your roots into the streams of living water. But instead, we use our prayers just to be like empty food trucks. And we wonder why we don't have life. We wonder why we don't, sense the closeness and love of God. We're saying, but Lord, I'm praying, I'm praying. But our prayers are empty. And now we're starving spiritually. And we keep pointing to the food truck, but Lord, look at my food truck. We need him because on our own, none of us have the right to enter into God's presence. None of us have the right to have his ear. Our prayers would just be empty food trucks if we tried to go to God on our own. We forfeited our right to be heard by God. We've gone astray, gone our own way. We've become separated by, uh, from God by our own sin. But then there's Jesus. He was always in perfect obedience, always connected and rooted to his father. And that's great. It's great for him, right? He's got the right. But what about us? What does that do for us? We're like a branch that's been broken off of that tree. Jesus has his roots going into the Father, but we're like a branch broken off because of our sin. There's no way for us to connect to that water source because we're a, it's this dead tree branch next to the tree. That's us, that's us, in ourselves, that's us. But thankfully, God's word says that God chose us in Christ. If you have been born again, you're a son, a daughter of the living God. You were chosen before the foundation of the earth in Christ, not in yourself. Oh, Joby looks like a good one. I'll pick him. No, that's not how I was chosen. I was chosen in Christ. I was grafted into the tree of Christ. Jesus came, he lived the perfect life, had perfect fellowship with his father, took our sins to the cross with him so that those sins could be destroyed forever so that we then can live forever in and through him. That's how we have access to the living water is in and through him. 
We weren't chosen on our own merit, but chosen in Christ. Chosen to be grafted into the body of Christ, grafted into the vine, adopted into the family. So though we can't go to God as a broken off branch, we can't go on our own merit, but we can come to him if we are in Christ. Because only Christ can actually go to the Father on his own merit. So we can go to the Father then if we do so in Christ. And if we are in Christ, then we can only truly pray if we are praying in Christ, praying through Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Our prayers are just empty food trucks, words going to the sky. Apart from him, nothing. God hears us because he hears Jesus. And we pray in his name, not in our name. Now, when we think through this, we think to ourselves, we don't just pray to Jesus, but we pray with him and through him. Now, it doesn't mean we can't pray to Jesus. We can and should pray to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Almost every single sermon I open up, I pray to the Holy Spirit. I ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into truth. But the overwhelming majority of examples of prayer, particularly in the New Testament, are praying to God the Father. That's important for us to note. So I'm not saying don't pray to Jesus, don't pray to the Holy Spirit, that's good. But the overwhelming majority of prayers and the example even Jesus gives is to pray to the Father. This is why when the disciples say, teach us to pray, Jesus says, pray this way, Father, Father in heaven. And it's why we're, we pray in Jesus' name. We don't pray to Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray in his name. This is how we have access to the Father. The Father is the one who gives all good gifts. He is the gift giver. And so we pray in Jesus' name to the Father, primarily. We're not just praying to God, but we're praying with God through Jesus. And when we're praying with and through Jesus, we're not just praying to him, but to God the Father who gives all good gifts. So how do we learn to pray then with Jesus in his name and by his spirit. Uh, for us as, as humans, as we learn to grow, you're born as a baby, you're gonna become a toddler, you start growing, we, we learn speech from our parents. We speak back the words that they teach us. That's how you learn to speak. That's how you learn to communicate with your parents. That's how you learn to communicate with your earliest childhood friends. You have to learn speech and learn words from someone who teaches you. And you use those words and you duplicate those words. You speak back those words to others. Uh, when we first, when Micah was first born, uh, when he was first learning to speak, uh, we were watching a video, I think it was about a year ago, and uh, he's going around just like in his diaper, you know, and, and he's got a microphone. He's like banging the microphone, I think on a drum, you know, because that's how you're supposed to do it, right? And, and, uh, and he and he's points to the microphone and he says, Daddy sing! Because he always would see me sing at church. Daddy sing! Daddy sing! Now, I understood what he was saying at the time. I knew what he was doing. And as a dad, I've got this patience. I've got, oh, this is cute. He's learning words. He's, he's connecting this microphone to his dad, saying, Daddy, sing. And, but as he grows, the better he knows his parents' words and he learns more vocabulary. Now he communicates with me differently. Only every once in a while he says, Daddy, sing to me. But it's just, it's very rare. But now, as a teenager, he knows how to communicate with me so much better. We have great conversations. You know, we have fight clubs with, with him, his brother, his friends, and, and we communicate so much better because he has learned more vocabulary from us as we've taught him through the years. 
now we have a, a, a deeper closeness. It's not that we weren't connected when he was saying daddy sing. I knew what he was saying. I had patience. I wasn't like, hey, that's not proper English, kid. I, I, I didn't scold him for that. But I also expected that as he grew as a child, that he would learn to speak to me better. That he would get better at communicating to me. Because I wanted to have deeper conversations with him. I wanted to have a deeper connection with him. I wanted him to know my heart better. And I wanted to know his heart better. I can't know his heart if he just says, Daddy, sing. But when he's two, that's fine. But as he gets older, I want more out of that relationship. And now he speaks to me more confidently. We understand each other. Look, even in the Bible, in the book of Job, in the beginning of Job's encounter with the Lord, his, his prayers were more like just complaints. But the fuller his picture of God became as his life went on, the fuller picture of he, that he had even of God. His prayers turned from complaints then into confessions of faith and repentance and even praise amidst his suffering. I mentioned just a few weeks ago that if we had simply turned our complaints into prayers, remember I kind of, I, I, I triple doggy dare to you? Remember to turn your complaints, all your grumbling, all your complaints, all your soreness. If you just put the word God in front of all your complaints, that's a good start to prayer, turning your complaints into prayers. That is a good start. That's kind of the Job start. That's the daddy sing starts of turning your complaints into prayers. And that's a good place to start. But I told you also that if you start doing that, you watch God change how you pray. Start off with some complaints. That's a great start. Turn those complaints into these really rough around the edges prayers. But I told you too, though, if you start doing that and get in the habit of doing that, you will watch your heart change before the Lord. Your prayers will change before the Lord. Start off raw, but you'll change. The same thing happened to Job. Starts off just with complaints to God, just this, these words into the air, but he's put God, comma, here's my complaints. That's how he started. But over time, he went from daddy saying complaints to a richer, more fuller conversation with God. Pastor Eugene Peterson said that all speech is answering speech. This is in your notes. All speech is answering speech. When we learn to speak, we are only are responding to what is spoken to us. This is similar to what I said last week about us all being interpreters. We're not originators. When we pray, we're either responding to what we or our sin or the world is speaking into us. When you speak, your complaints is just a response to sin or you. When you pray, it's a response to God. We are either responding to what we or our sin or the world is speaking into us, or we are responding to what the Lord is speaking into us. Anytime you speak, you're responding to something. The beginning of our prayer life, we have not yet learned how to pray. So our prayers aren't so much us responding to the Lord, responding to his word, his goodness, but it's like us as babies or toddlers or like Job responding instead to our situations according to our understanding in our own language and in our terms and with our agenda. That's simply talking to God, quote unquote. And of course, he doesn't mind this, just like I didn't mind when Micah would just say, Daddy, sing. I don't, we, he doesn't mind that. He doesn't mind your simple prayers of just talking to the Lord. He doesn't mind that because he's a good, patient father. But as we grow, as we mature, as we grow in wisdom through his word and we learn the language of our father, as we see who he is, and we have his word stored in our hearts, we learn to pray and respond according to who he is, 
according to his promises and in his language and on his terms and for his agenda. We will pray differently. To speak to God with confidence, we must learn to pray. To go to God in confidence, we must go in Christ, trusting in our identity in Christ, not in the condemnation of our own thoughts. We learn to speak to God by learning from his words and his vocabulary. You will pray in Jesus' name in proportion to how much you have been spoken to by his word. Let me say that again. You will pray in Jesus' name. I think that's your desire. You want to pray in Jesus' name. You'll pray in Jesus' name in proportion to how much you have been spoken to by his word. If you're not spoken to by his word, you're going to pray some other language back to him. It's going to be, as Eugene Peterson said, just responding to situation, circumstances. That's how you'll pray. You'll pray in your name. You'll pray in the name of your situation or your circumstances. But if you are being spoken to by God through his word, you will speak back to him in his name because you'll know who he is. You'll know his desires because God's word is his language. Imagine if my, my son was brought up and he was brought up speaking a different language, but he spoke it fluently. And he's trying to have a conversation with me, his father. He's speaking well, he's speaking fluently, but we can't have a conversation. If we don't learn the language of God, his mind, his heart, his desires, his agenda, then we're just gonna be praying to him with our own desires. As James says, asking wrongly, as the Gentiles just putting words in the air. We learn to pray by learning the vocabulary of the Father. And Jesus, being the Father's very word, this is how we learn to pray. When we pray the word of God, it is truly the spirit of God and even Jesus himself who is praying with us. Because it's not only his words we're speaking, but since Jesus is the very word of God made flesh, he's then moving forth from our hearts, overflowing out of our mouths up to the ear of God the Father. We're going to the Father in the name of Jesus by his authoritative word, speaking back to God. God's own word has become then our desires. His will has become our will. And we're now communing with God in the words of his son, not going in our name, but in his name. Tim Keller says that the wedding, the wedding of the Bible and prayer, the Bible and prayer coming together in a wedding in your life, in your mind, in your heart, anchors your life down in the real God. When God's word meets your prayers, oh, now your life is gonna be anchored down in the real and living God. That's life-changing right there. That's what it means to be rooted in the living water of the gospel, abiding in the vine, remaining and dwelling in Christ. You know, imagine if you, you call someone, you leave a voicemail, maybe you send a text or an email, you, you sit across the table with someone, you, you're pouring your heart out to them, telling how much you love them, your desires and your care for them, you're reminiscing and dreaming, and then just no response. Like you just heartfelt thing, oh man, you just mean so much to me, send and then just no response ever. That's, there's no way to have a relationship to abide in, to grow and to mature if there's no back and forth, right? You sit at the table, you, 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 so maybe you're having this in person, you're saying, you see all these things, and the person just looks at you and they say, okay. You go, I, 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 just, I just poured out my heart to you. And they go, okay. But that, that's the worst. <laughs> that is like, <laughs> that is the worst. But I think oftentimes, that's our prayer life. God's like, 
I want you to know me. I want you to know what I think about you, what I've done for you, how much I love you, what I've done. I, I just, this is for you. And then we just are like, okay, well, how, how come I didn't get that promotion? How come things aren't going right in my life? Well, no, I, okay, I want you to read this and know all my promises, everything I've done for you. I, okay, okay but, but what about me? We, 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 we do this. Our prayers are oftentimes just so self-centered. It's like we haven't even read this. Like we're just, we're not even listening to him. J.I. Packer says that prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started. Right? You don't start your prayer, initiate. You're responding. What are you responding to? Your circumstances, your situation. I'm not saying don't pray about those things. But how are we responding? Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. When we respond according to what we know about God, letting our hardships, our pain and our sorrows be filtered through what we know about God, having those things be married together. But if your prayers are just simply letting him know what you want, what you think should happen, how you think things should change, trying to micromanage him, if your prayers are based on just you trying to conform him to your will, then you will not have a full encounter with him. It's like those conversations with those kinds of people. When you're telling a story, you can just tell they're just waiting to like one-up your story. They're not even listening to you anymore. They just, they've already got another story locked and loaded. That's how we are sometimes with prayer. We're just, we're ready to tell him what we think. He's like, well, I, yeah, but, but no, no, no. But let me tell you, Lord, here's what's going on. I want to spend the last few minutes here just reminding ourselves of the model that Christ gave us that we see in this in Matthew 6. Uh, this is on the back of our notes every week. Uh, we have this as part of just a reminder in our community groups and just in your time of study uh, to learn to pray with this model that Christ has given us. Again, not verbatim, but we, we've, we've broken down uh, the Lord's Prayer in just a very simple, easy-to-remember uh, acronym, P-R-A-Y, pray. And we're going to see that these four elements, P-R-A-Y, are in the Lord's Prayer. So if you can remember that, just try to always have as part of your prayer, even just if it's just a quick little sentence with one of these things, but try to always incorporate these elements. If you incorporate these elements, you'll be praying in the manner that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. I know some other folks, uh, they use uh, Acts, A-C-T-S. Uh, I like pray just because it's pray, and, uh, but, uh, but you can flip your notes over if you want to look on the back there. The, the P is preach the gospel to yourself, or uh, Praise. Start off your, your, your time of prayer with praise, praising God for who he is. Don't go straight to what you need, what you want, what's going on in your life. If you've just sinned, don't go straight to repentance. You'll get there. But first start with praising God or preaching the gospel itself, reminding you of who God is, responding to this. This is your first, your first spot. Respond to this first. Don't respond to your sin. Don't respond to your needs. Respond first to this. So we start off with praise or preach the gospel to ourselves. This is Jesus saying, Father in heaven, holy is your name. That's how we start. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring to mind the promises of God. John Calvin said, the word of God isn't received as it just flits about in the top of our brain. That's not how you get God's word, just kind of casually hearing it here and there. But when it takes root in the depth of the heart, that's how the word of God is received in your life. It has to take root. It can't just flit about in your brain. We can't just settle on an informed mind. Well, yeah, I know that truth. 
we have to insist upon an engaged heart. That's why we have to start our prayer life, not just skipping over the stuff that we already know. Yeah, God is holy. I know that. I got to get to the real stuff. No, we have, to, we have to let these truths, this stuff right here, this stuff has to be engaged in our heart. We have to learn how to meditate on the scriptures. Kyle Strobel again says, the cross is not an event to leave, nor is the cross a starting line, but the cross is the path itself. The cross is the path. You don't start at the cross when you get saved and then move on. No, the cross is the path. And so we have to preach the gospel ourselves every time we pray because we have to always be on the path of the cross. There's some tips you can look at uh, on the notes part of your, uh, your notes. Um, some of those things you can look through on your own, just different things to help you learn to meditate on Scripture as you learn to do that and start praying the Scriptures. But then moving on, then the R is to repent. We confess where we've been doubting or believing lies. Confess where we've been in sin, and we ask the Lord to help us to repent. To actually turn. This is Jesus saying in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we confess our sin. Real repentance, real repentance starts where blame shifting stops. That's how you know that you're really repenting, really confessing. When you say, I'm not gonna blame my circumstance, I'm not gonna blame other people, but I'm taking ownership of my sin. That's where real confession, real repentance begins where blame shifting stops. So we wanna go to God with clear confession, repentance. Your circumstances aren't the thing that needs to change. I know you want it to change, but it's not the thing that needs to change. Your heart needs to change. And we change not by being told what to do. Just stop it. Why don't you just do this instead? That's not how we change. We change not by being told what to do, but we change by being told what Christ has done for us. That's how we change, which is why we have to start off our prayer with preaching the gospel to ourselves. That's how we're gonna change. We don't just, just change on our own power. Then the A is to ask. Ask God for a new perspective for the things that you need. Now, you're gonna notice if you start off responding first to this, preach the gospel to yourself, then you go to a place of repentance, you're gonna ask for things differently than if you would have just started off your prayer asking. Right, like an example would be if I just, if I'm, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm short on my mortgage or something, I say, God, I, I need money for my mortgage. That would be my prayer if I go straight to ask. But if I start off with first saying, Lord, you are the God who owns the cattle on 10,000 hills, as your word tells me. You say that you're going to provide all my needs. This is what your word says. I'm responding to your word. And I want to repent right now. I want to confess that I'm scared. And I'm not trusting in you. And I'm getting worried and I'm getting anxious. And now if I go from that place into asking, I'm going to ask probably for something a little different. I'm going to say, God, now I'm asking I'm not going to ask you just to, to make my mortgage, whatever, and that'd be great, but I'm asking actually just for deeper faith. I'm asking that I would trust that you're going to provide for me somehow. And I'm going to trust your will and how you provide. And I don't know what that looks like, but that's what I'm asking for. See the difference? You can go straight to asking, but you're probably going to do what James says is asking wrongly to spend it on your own desires. But if we start off responding to this and then repenting, then asking, we're going to ask rightly. We're going to speak the language of God as we ask. And now we're going to start seeing our life change, our heart change, our mind change. We're going to see things change in our life. When our, when our heart is being filled with the gospel first, we're going to ask differently. We're going to ask more in line with God's desires for us. And then lastly is to the wise, 
yielding, yielding with thanksgiving, surrendering to God's will and ways, thanking him that he is in control and will work all things for his glory and for your joy. This is Jesus saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you can't say in your prayer, your will be done truly, chances are you're doing what James says is asking wrongly. Doing what Augustine called a, a disordered love. You've got something else you want more. The church to truly learn to pray, it's going to take work. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take time. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take trust. It's going to take repentance. But it's going to bring life. It's going to bring change. It's going to bring joy. And it's going to bring peace. I'll close with Romans 8, 6. Paul says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So seek him in your prayers, not his benefits. Make him the treasure that you seek. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you and we respond now in our prayer, in our hearts. Respond to your word and your goodness and your greatness. We love that you are a trustworthy God. We love that you will never leave us or forsake us. We love that your word tells us that anyone who would come to you, you will not cast out. We love that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love that we sang earlier that you surround your saints, that you care for us, that you're with us, you lead us through the fire. You're our guide, our lighthouse. And God, we just want to confess and repent to you, Lord, that we have used our, this, this great gift of prayer in a way to, to bless ourselves, to ask for ourselves. We've done this time and time again. And we are asking now to teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray rightly. To pray in a way that leads us not into uh, the things that we want, but leads us to you. It helps us have our lives, our hearts dipped into the streams of living water, that we are abiding in the vine and we do all of this in Christ through what he's done for us as we fix our eyes upon the cross. As we do ask God that this would be our desire and our heart as we put our trust and our hope in you. As we look to you each and every day to be our guide, to be our strength, to be our wisdom, to be our peace. Thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.